This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, today is the great feast of Pentecost, one of the greatest feasts in the church year, easily as important as Christmas and Easter, the great feast of the Holy Spirit, the feast of the birthday of the church. All that is taking place on Pentecost. Can I suggest to you a good way to understand Pentecost is to see it in close relation to the feast from last Sunday, namely the Ascension of the Lord. The Ascension and Pentecost are closely tied. The Ascension celebrates the fact that the risen Jesus went to heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, right away, we've got to be careful that we understand what these words mean. The trouble is we tend to think of heaven and earth in a more Greek or Gnostic way. Now, the philosophers and theologians out there understand what I mean. Really, it's a simple idea. For the Greeks, for the Gnostics, heaven and earth are poles apart. Two entirely discrete, separate realms. And again, for Greeks like Plato, the Gnostics too, the whole point of the spiritual life is to escape from the world of matter. To get out of this world and go to the higher world. So as I say, we have a tendency to read the ascension in a rather Greek mode. So thank God Jesus has finally left this lowly world and has gone up to heaven. But that might be true of Plato and the Gnostics. It's just not true of biblical people. Rather, for biblical people, I mean both Old Testament and New, heaven and earth aren't so much poles apart. They are two dimensions that are meant to overlap, interpenetrate. The whole point of the biblical narrative is the coming together, if you want, of heaven and earth. I'll give you a few examples from hundreds that could be chosen. The prophet Isaiah prophesies that one day, listen, the knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth as the water covers the sea. That's not a fantasy about escaping from the earth to get to heaven. No, it's just the opposite of heaven coming down to earth. Jesus himself famously prays, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as in heaven. Again, that's not a, a platonic uh, fantasy of fleeing from the earth to get to heaven, but no, no, that heaven might interpenetrate with earth, God's will being done on earth as in heaven. Or think of the very end of the biblical revelation, in the book of Revelation, when the heavenly Jerusalem comes down out of heaven to earth. Again, the same idea. Not, oh, let's get out of the earth and get up to the heavenly Jerusalem. But no, here comes heaven down to meet the earth. Think even of Jesus' own person. 
we say in, in the singularity of his person, two natures come together, divine and human. In other words, he himself personally is the intermingling of heaven and earth. Or think of St. Peter, who dreams not of an escape from this wicked world, but of a new heavens and a new earth. Okay, I, I trust I made my point that the biblical view is very different than the Greek view. So, back to the ascension. To say that Jesus has gone to heaven is not therefore to say he's simply gone away, that he's left us behind. Rather, it is to say that he has entered a dimension that allows him to be present to the whole world, and not just to one tiny geographical corner of it. Think of Jesus in the first century walking around Palestine, was able to speak to a handful of people, able to be in one place alone, just as I'm sitting where I am right now, I can't be anywhere else. But in heaven, which impinges upon the earth, Jesus can impinge upon every aspect of the earth. Okay, now one more thing about ascension, then I promise I'll get to Pentecost. We say he ascended to heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. You say, what's that all about? Why would the creed even mention that? Well, sitting was the attitude of teaching in the ancient world. So that's true. So disciples would sit at the feet of the seated teacher. But sitting was also the attitude of a king or a prince. It was the attitude of the ruler or the governor. To say, therefore, that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father is a royal reference. He's like a prince, if you want, sitting next to the king. In a word, he is ruling the earth from his place in heaven. See, that's what the two symbols mean, that he ascended to heaven and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's not away, gone. Oh, he's up in some other realm, uninterested in the earth. No, no, on the contrary. He's now in an attitude of ruling the whole earth. Well, how does he rule? And here we come to the Feast of Pentecost. Think of it this way, everybody. The ascension is an aspect of the earth, Jesus' physicality, going into the heavenly realm. What's Pentecost? The sending of the Spirit. But something of the heavenly realm now rushing onto earth. Again, it's the marriage of heaven and earth, the, the coming together of the two that matters. Jesus rules by sending his spirit into us, his mystical body. Now do you see why Pentecost is the birthday of the church? The church is that body, that mystical body of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way that we can now help to bring about the reign of Jesus all over the earth. Here's something else, really interesting connection to me. Pentecost, that's Greek for the 50 days, because it was a feast that took place 50 days after Passover, was a key feast for the ancient Jews already. It centered originally around the barley harvest, but in time it became associated with the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. 
Now you see why. So Passover, the Jews leave Egypt. They wander for 40 days till they come to Sinai. Then Moses spends this 10 days in communion with God and finally comes down the mountain with the Ten Commandments. Now see what that was. Think about it. That was a great act of heaven coming down to rule on the earth. Think, too, of the descriptions in the book of Exodus of fire and wind and all sorts of supernatural displays accompany the coming down of the Spirit now to reign and rule on the earth. Ah, that should all sound familiar. What's Pentecost now in the year roughly 30 A.D., just following the dying and rising of Jesus? We have the inrushing of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit coming down to do what? To reign and to rule. You see why the first Christians saw a tight link between Sinai and Pentecost. In the Old Covenant, the Ten Commandments were the means by which God governed his people. Now, now, the Holy Spirit is the means by which the risen Christ from his place in heaven governs the church. Here's the major difference. In the old dispensation, the law was written on stone. Now it is written in minds and hearts and on tongues. How important the tongues of fire, symbolizing the Holy Spirit seizing Christian speech. Here's another difference. Sinai was an event exclusively for Israel. Pentecost was meant for the whole world. We hear that St. Luke enumerates all the peoples who were there for the feast and who heard the disciples speaking in their own languages. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamians, Judeans, Cappadocians, Egyptians, Libyans, yes, even Romans have come. What he's done here, it's beautiful. When you take out a map and you look at at all those references, he's drawn a circle right around Jerusalem. They've come from north, south, east, and west. Ah, there's Isaiah's dream, isn't it? Mount Zion, the true pole of the earth. There all the tribes, all the kings of the world will come. You see, it's happened on Pentecost. As the Holy Spirit rushes into the disciples of Jesus, they are now filled with the new law, which is meant to be heard by the whole world. Sinai has now reached its fulfillment, if you want. Israel has found its deepest purpose, that they were meant not for themselves, but for the world. And here we find everybody the basic marching orders for the church up and down the centuries. The church, the people of God, are the vehicle by which Jesus comes more and more to govern the world and to reign as its king. This is exactly what Vatican II meant by the Christification of the world. It's exactly what John Paul II meant by the new evangelization. Again, think of the saints, the great figures up and down the Christian centuries. Think of someone like John Paul II. 
effecting a massive political, social, cultural change. Not by wielding the weapons of the world, but by speaking in the power of the Holy Spirit. He effected a major political, economic, and cultural change. So have the great saints and figures of the church up and down the centuries. And listen, every time a business leader allows Christ to govern his decisions, he helps to bring about the kingdom. Every time a mother or father treat their children with love, they help to bring about the reign of Christ. Every time a politician legislates with compassion and justice, he brings about the kingdom. This is the life of the church. We haven't waved goodbye to Jesus. Oh, there he goes up to heaven, to his platonic realm, infinitely removed from the earth. No, 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 no. We acknowledge Christ now as ruler, lord, governor, shepherd of the whole world. And that risen and ascended Christ, having sent his Holy Spirit into us, his church, now begins to reign. That, friends, is the power of this great feast of Pentecost. And may God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Four years in the making, and it's finally here. Our new Catholicism documentary series, book, and study program are now available to order online at catholicismseries.com. Will you help me introduce this epic film series to your parish, school, family, and friends? Catholicism is an unprecedented adventure around the world and deep into the faith. Learn more at catholicismseries.com or call 1-866-928-1237. That's 1-866-928-1237.